Hello and welcome to the Slot Plus segment of the Slate Culture Gab Fest. Uh, today, because there is nothing I control at Slate so narrowly and closely as I control this segment of this show, I'm just going to make Steve and Dana do a do-over because I didn't like their opinion when we did this segment a couple weeks ago. I'm slightly vindicated in this absurd uh, act of mine and tyrannical act of mine by the fact that when we put out to our readers who was right about Billy on the Street, Julia, who said it was great, or Dana and Steve, who said it was like humorless, assaultive, and horrible, only one person agreed with them. And who can even count them? Countless gads of listeners agreed with me. Um, so they gamely agreed to watch four segments selected by our intern, also Billy on the Street Finn, Daniel Schrader, I think with guidance from all the clips that were submitted on our Facebook page at my request. Uh, and Dana and Steve have gamely watched them, although uh, one of our panelists did request a five-minute break to finish watching them. So I'm not sure we can really say that they've steeped and savored them appropriately for this segment, but they have watched them. Uh, and now I will raise the question. Guys, what Billy on the Street clips did our readers suggest you watch, and did they change your mind about the genius of Billy on the Street? Ooh, well, I can tell you which ones they made us watch. Let's see. Um, I think Steve and I both watched the one where Julianne Moore runs through the streets of New York City with Billy doing acting on demand in exchange for tips. Uh, what else? We watched Rachel Dratch run some sort of Scientology obstacle course that was kind of a like a constructed set that she she ran rampage through. What else, Steve? So the, we watched one about um, uh, him asking rando pop culture questions, and if you get it right, you get a buck. And then the, the fourth and last selected for our uh, forced viewing in stockades <laughs> was a was a, a question that he ran around. I guess he ran around the streets of New York asking people a question about Tyler Perry, and if they answered it correctly, which every single person he stopped did, except the guy who said "Go fuck yourself," then Billy Eichner would destroy a piece of art. So he was carrying around these reproductions of Andy Warhol's and Impressionist paintings and would then, you know, break them to bits and shatter them on the sidewalk. That was the concept. And smash them theatrically over fire hydrants. And just for an example of how the uh, the Julianne Moore segment played out, let's listen to a segment where she launches into a tirade from Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, surprising the stranger that they've stopped in the street. Act for you for the money. Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. You fucking asshole. Who the fuck? Who, who the fuck do you think you are coming here? You don't know me. You don't know who I am, what my life is. And you have the balls, the indecency to ask me questions about my life. Fuck you too. Don't you call me lady. I come in here. I give these things to you. You check. You make your phone calls. Look suspicious. Ask questions. I'm sick. I have sickness all around me. And you fucking ask me my life. What's wrong? Have you seen death in your bed, in your house? Where's your fucking decency? Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on both of you. Academy Award. No, she lost for that! Uh, so, Steve, did you laugh, smile, change your opinion in any way at any of these segments? And do you think that, if not, is possibly because you were just battening down and refusing to laugh so that you wouldn't have to abdicate from your Billy hatred? I, um, I... I both laughed and did not change my opinion. I doubled down on my opinion, and I'll tell you why. I thought the the Julianne Moore acting attack is hysterically funny, but it's hysterically funny for reasons that have very little to do with Billy Eichner. It's an incredibly smart, um, canny setup to have her going around Times Square acting for tips 
Um, she's very game and very funny about it. The way people react to her is terrific. It's just it's smartly conceived, and it, it's true. A couple of things he says are, are are screamingly funny, but by and large, I don't think he brings what's you know i don't think he's the one who makes that that especially funny i still just find him assaultive and annoying in the other ones the rachel dratch i'd already seen the answer a question for a buck i'd already seen uh they do just absolutely nothing for me they're everything i dislike about um awkward confrontational humor yeah, I think the Julianne Moore went the farthest with me just because, like you say, you, you get actually get to see Julianne Moore do some acting on command. And she's carrying around these cue cards that have lines from different famous roles that she's played from The Kids Are All Right and and The Big Lebowski is one of the scenes that she does. And, uh, and, and OK, watching her sort of pull that out of a hat standing in Times Square next to guys dressed as Elmo and Grover was pretty funny. But but again, it didn't it didn't seem like that was because of the marvelous shepherding of, of Billy Eichner. I mean, I guess I say well, the same she, thing. She was going to do that by herself. <laughs> she was just she just does that on her own without the crazy genius of Billy Eichner. Well, let's put it this you way. You guys are like, oh, well, I love the part where Julianne Moore just walks around New York City serenading random strangers with quotations from her famous movie scenes while lamenting that she never won an Oscar. Uh, but this Billy guy, fuck him. Like, that's be- that- that's how she got there. That's why that that but, thing but that Julia, giggle, but Julia, I heard it on the mic, Dana. To, happened. She, I did. I did laugh watching her segment. Definitely, the, some of the moments too. People's reactions to her were great. But as for her bringing the value to the segment, I think that can absolutely be compared to other celebrity segments that we watched. For example, when he runs around with John Hamm, except for the fact that John Hamm is John Hamm and looks like Don Draper, and so people recognize him. He's not called on to do anything in that scene, right? He doesn't have to produce any talent or any value. He just is John Hamm and is, is dragged around the streets as John Hamm. Same thing with Rachel Dratch's obstacle course. The fact that she's a comedian comes into it in no way. She's just a body who has to run through an obstacle course. So I think the Julianne Moore segment seems set apart because it was a moment when that specific choice of that specific guest brought something that not just any warm body who looked famous could bring. I mean, okay, stipulated that Rachel Dratch is not as funny on the Scientology obstacle course. She's sort of her comedic skills are somewhat incidental to the Scientology obstacle course. Uh, which is called Leah Ramini's Escape from Scientology and features like a bunch of really cheap looking stunts set up in what looks to be one of the um, Lower East Side playgrounds on the East River. But come on, extensively making Scientology the butt of your jokes, which is not the most like risk free thing for a, you know, comedic entertainment to do and doing it with. Uh, a certain kind of stylish Alan is funny. I, arguing people into thinking things are funny is a failed rhetorical strategy I'm <laughs> yeah. discovering. But I will proceed. Um, like there's this moment in that show, which we'll not play a clip of because it's entirely visual. But the one of the stunts is like free all the men trapped in John Travolta's garage. And, and Rachel Tratch walks up to this little shed that has um, – doors bolted with a big, uh, you know, stick and, and mullioned glass in the doors. And there's these hands sort of doing like mime hands against the doors. And then she takes off the thing and like it's a clown car of naked men running out in towels. It just makes me laugh so much. <laughs> See, she only called this segment just so that she could once again giggle maniacally while we sat stone-faced for some reason. That's her greatest joy. I don't know, you guys. People think that our Taylor Swift fight is like the most psychically breaking thing that's happened <laughs> in the history of the show. But like, I can't relate to you anymore. Like, I just don't understand it. I mean, okay, as you were as you were giggling, a somewhat more philosophical perspective occurred to me. Besides just simply saying like it makes you laugh and it doesn't make us laugh. 
there's something about this show that wants it wants to sow the seeds of anarchy, right? It wants to create this almost like Marx Brothers like world of of crazy comic anarchy where anything could happen, and you're laughing at the sheer freedom of it all. And yet, Steve and I, I think this is true of you, Steve. I know it's true of me. We experience it as a profound unfreedom <laughs> to watch this show. I feel like I'm shackled because I'm you do it. Well, in part in this segment, but even just the first time, the experience of watching it to me felt, I, I think I mentioned before, I had to take breaks in the middle of watching because I felt yeah. trapped, trapped with this loud grating person who was r- dragging me around and embarrassing other people. I mean, maybe this is just goes to my own squeamishness or something, but that basic feeling was a feeling to me of, of entrapment and assault. Right. It's This is Quiet Car Dana uh, coming out now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just want my her... cheese plate in the Amtrak Quiet Car. <laughs> is that so wrong? Right. It's intru- it, like it, 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 the, what he's doing on the street is itself obviously intrusive, right? That's the, that's the, the origin of the encounter. Comic encounter is just his intrusiveness. And it itself, even watching it voluntarily, has this in, not intrusive exactly feel, but there's a, there's a demand that one find it funny that I don't think anything really truly funny ever places on the viewer. And the other thing I'll say is that I've just I've just fucking exited the demo. I'm I'm, I'm old. Like I just want a cup of sleepy time tea, a little <laughs> caftan, and some you know, and and a, a caftan. A <laughs> I'm is that loving, what it is? I'm loving picturing you in a caftan. Well, wait, it's what like a moo moo. No, no, not a caftan. What's the throw? You what am I? A, thinking? You mean a throw? What is the? What is that word? Yeah, what is that for? called? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. There's a word just like caftan. Yes. For a throw. I mean, an afghan is also a word for a throw. <laughs> I just want to see Steve in like a Bob Mackie designed caftan now. Oh, that's good. Are there sequins on his caftan? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I've got the source here. I think it's this, it's the repeated soft A's of caftan that have us confused for afghan because the only other options here are covering, coverlet, and sheath and puff and throw. <laughs> so none of those work. Apologies. Okay. Yes. Under your afghan. You can, only you can say whether you're in a caftan. Um, I think for the purposes of this, maybe I'm in a caftan. Yeah, caftan throw blanket. Hello, hello, okay. caftan fleece blanket. A caftan is also a blanket. Um, uh, all right, I I stick by my, <laughs> I stick by my original formulation. I have sleepy time tea, a fucking caftan, and absolutely no Billy on the street on my fucking Wi-Fi. I'm reading the FT. And I'm checking McStock quotes. Um, and that's all I'm doing. I'm staring at the fucking horizon line. Wait, but I, I'm um, also, let me contest the demographic thing. I also don't think that when I was 25, I would have found this particularly funny. I don't think that it's sort of like some some edgy humor that you've aged out of. I think this is just, it just profoundly conflicts with your sensibility of what's funny. Do you think you would have laughed at it at age 28? I, I would have been more, I would have been more open to it. But now I just... I just I, I can't run fast enough from from people who are that fucking desperate to get people to laugh. Like I, I love. Oh being come made on! To laugh, like a, but... be, being you want like a comedian who's like cool. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Dana's point about freedom is really interesting because I think the fact that this show. I mean, I think part of why it seemed right to do this show the week we did, which was the second show we did after the election, was like let's have a little. Something, something escapist, something that might make us laugh. But the exact questions that the election make you terrified about uh, are questions sort of raised by the show. Like he, he has the freedom to do anything, but he also has all the power to have that freedom. He's assaulting all these New Yorkers. It is confrontational and horrible. 
I mean, that's part of why I wanted to talk to you guys about it is that I don't always feel good about how much I laugh at it. Although now I'm like you sticking to my guns in my direction. Um, and most of them in the way of New Yorkers sort of like good naturedly just say like, yeah, get out of my face or I'll or go along with it or whatever. Um, which I also, you could argue is useful in the moment. It's just like people, um, toughly ignoring buffoons. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder if we'd done this as a random segment, like nine months ago, if you guys would have had the same response. Cause I, I did share Dana, your sense of, um, the hyper awareness of all those social dynamics that one feels like one has to be very conscious of now. So, so maybe, maybe that, maybe, maybe the freedom thing helps me understand where you guys are coming from and not feel horribly alienated forevermore. I guess I don't know where your identification is supposed to fall as a viewer, right? I mean, I couldn't help but identify with the people that he accosted that least wanted to talk to him. You know, I felt like the person that is my proxy there on the screen is the person who's looking up in utter dread and irritation about a camera crew and some yelling guy coming toward them. And all they want to do is get the hell on with their day. But there's apparently some other place where the viewer's identification can rest that that relieves tension instead of building it. All right. Thank you. I promise I won't dragoon you into um, forced cultural re-education anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. I've learned my lesson. You oh. will laugh at Billy and you will like it. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on, everyone. I'm putting on a soft, silky ankle length uh, outfit right now. Ah, so comfortable. <laughs> I like contest. I'm seeing like a proper name for Captain with a K described as a blanket. I'm also seeing robes described as caftans on Etsy. But God, Etsy is like a wild kingdom. I mean, I don't think we can count them as authorities on anything. In any event, thank you so much, Slate Plus members. Your support dollars go to this awesome segment, but also to all of the work that Slate does. Thank you very much for your support for spending this extra bit of time with us. We'll be back to you next week with more of the Slate Culture Gab Fest. Steve, Dana, talk to you next week.